When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, I'm Ryan Mallory, and this is my Swing Trading the Stock Market podcast. I'm here to teach you how to trade in a complex, ever-changing world of finance. Learn what it means to trade profitably and consistently, managing risk, avoiding the pitfalls of trading, and most importantly, to let those winners run wild. You can succeed at the stock market, and I'm ready to show you how. Hey, everybody. This is Ryan Mallory with Swing Trading the Stock Market. And this is going to be a good episode here today because... I got an email, and this is a question that hasn't really been asked of me before, so I'm excited to tackle it. I've probably talked about it a little bit in the trading block when people ask me, hey, what do you do with these price targets? Because with every one of my trades that I put out, I give them a price target as well. So this is going to help address some of that today, so I'm kind of excited about that. And for the redneck name that we're going to use today, I'm going to give this person the name of Roscoe. Roscoe, I think, was from the Dukes of Hazard, right? So that's, that was a pretty good show back in the day. I haven't seen it in ages. I don't even think I ever see it on TV anymore. So here's what Roscoe has to say. He says, Ryan, I'm making my way through your podcast. I have gleaned a lot of good information and have even modified my own behaviors and thinking in what I believe to be positive ways. Thank you for doing what you do. Question on swing trading. I've heard you say more than once, know where you're going to get out of a trade before you get into it. Yep, I say that a lot almost every podcast, at least anything that deals with stop losses. And I feel like that's a lot of topics on the podcast. So yes, I do say that a lot. For losing scenarios, that's an obvious number to me. I'm setting stops at a relevant support level as revealed on the chart. Growth scenarios aren't quite as obvious to me. If, for example, I were to enter a position at $100 and I set the stop loss order at $90, just below the five-day moving average, and I establish a price target of 120 would it be appropriate to view the price target as a signal to do something at this price point? Not necessarily exit, perhaps to significantly tighten my stop loss. Or should I, no matter what, get out at my price target? I understand that it's possible in some cases to take some profits along the way, but on a small account like mine, one share may be the entire position, and I can't sell a portion of a share. Regards, Roscoe. All right, Roscoe, before I answer your questions, I got to tell you guys about the bourbon that I'm drinking, Elijah Craig's Small Batch. A lot of you guys have probably heard of it before. It is very, very widely available, and it's at a price target that's very affordable, too. I think I paid like $24 at Sam's Club, and no, Sam's Club does not pay me to plug them like that, and I'm not sure why I always do that, but I always do give these people plugs. The bourbon companies don't pay me to to review their bourbons either that's that's why i'm so brutally honest about it too um i wish they would i wish they'd send me some free bourbons i like free bourbon any case elijah craig small batch it's 47 percent alcohol 94 proof it's light colored and the flavor it's really thin i wasn't quite expecting that but yeah it is it's it's a pretty thin flavor now a lot of people like the elijah craig small batch on the nose I definitely picked up on some of that uh, nut flavor. 
but it wasn't anything like too exciting. It was pleasant. It wasn't like harsh or anything. It didn't make you gag when you when you took a sniff of it. Now on the palate though, it was very thin tasting, very thin, and all I could really pick up was a oak taste. There there was this other like sweet flavor to it, but I I could not pick up what that note was all about. Uh, I'm not gonna pretend I could. But I would just say that this is probably a, like a good weekday sip. You know, you come home from work and you just want something, but you don't want to like break out Pappy or Blanton. And, and let me tell you, I don't have any Pappy. But some of you guys might. I'm sure some of you guys do. But you you don't want to go into your, your best during the weekdays. So Elijah Craig Small Batch, probably a good one for that. I would say on a scale of 0 to 10, I'm going to give this like a 6.6. I'm just not overly enthused with Elijah Craig Small Batch. Now on to Roscoe's email here. We've already read it. We're going to go ahead and tackle these questions one at a time. So just to explain that first comment where I've heard you say, know where to get out before you ever get into the trade. Well, what I mean by that is like plan out your trade. Plan out where you're going to put your stop loss at in case this trade goes against you. I mean, I can't tell you how many people I know they get stuck in these losing trades because they never plan it out. If you don't do it, you're setting yourself up for disaster and the potential to like double down and triple down and just make all sorts of horrible, horrible decisions. And you don't want to do that. But he also brings up this good point. It's like, okay, now you're in the successful trade. What do you do after that? You, you set a price target. Is it either it hits the stop loss or it hits the price target? You're creating like a big scenario here to where what if you get like within a couple of bucks of your price target and the whole market starts falling apart and then you're getting stopped out. Let's say you're up 20% on a trade and you only need to get up to like 22 before you hit your price target. But then calamity hits the economy. We shut down everything because of a virus, and then you get stopped out at your original price. Yeah, that would be really bad. It would actually be really bad trade management to let something like that happen. So to Roscoe's point, you can't just sit on the, the planning that you do before the trade. When the stock becomes more profitable, what I like to do is take profits along the way. I'll either take like a third or a half. If I'm not getting as much in the, the gain column as I would like, I might be tempted more to take like a half of a position off the table just to make sure that I'm securing a little bit more profits this time or when the markets are a little bit less certain, maybe half half my profits off the table at once is a better idea. If the market's trending, I'm more inclined to just take a third off the table. And in not too many instances, I'll take a quarter and just start shaving a quarter off at a time. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And he talks about how the, the growth scenarios aren't quite as obvious t- to him. I don't think he's talking about growth stocks here. I think he's talking about when his position is growing, when it becomes more profitable, when he's letting it run. What does he do? Now, for me, when it comes to price targets, I don't believe that that's a hard sell. I just really don't. I I, I can do that oftentimes on the short side because you're really limited going from, if you're shorting a stock at $100, the most you can make off of it is 100%. It can only go down to zero. It can't go negative unless you're going into the oil futures and it just so happens they shut down the entire world economy and they have nowhere to put the oil at. (laughs) But oftentimes I like to take profits on my short position at my price target because the market tends to go up over time. And so when you are shorting the market, you're fighting a lot of forces out there. You're fighting the Fed and the people who intrinsically 
want the stock market to go up. The companies, the analysts, the investors, they all want it to go up. They're taking advantage of weakness in the market by buying the stock. And so you subject yourself to some very severe bounces and short coverings. And so when it hits my price target, I'm often inclined to take profits right there. But for most of you guys, you're going to be buying stocks, not necessarily shorting stocks. But yeah, I like to let my winners run as long as possible. If it blows past my price target, I'm happy with that. I'm thrilled, actually, because it exceeded my expectations for what I thought was possible from the trade. Now, I've actually had it, too, where my stock will go and hit my price target or maybe go a little bit above it, but then it'll pull back and I'll get stopped out. And while I could have sold at my price target, I'm actually selling for a little bit less. Does that mean I failed at the trade or I was undisciplined? No. The reason why I say that is because I was moving up my stop loss along the way to key support levels to where I wanted to see if this price level was crossed, I know I want to get out of the trade now. Just because it hits my price target doesn't mean it's done running, and it doesn't mean that the trade has all of a sudden become a bad stock to be in. Not at all, because stocks can run and become irrational far longer than you ever expect. In fact, I would say this, my best trades are usually on the trades that I really can't believe that it is going this high. I'm like, why would it even go this high? This doesn't even make sense to me. But it doesn't have to make sense to me. All I got to do is follow the charts, follow the support levels. Because the other thing too is more than anything, when I'm finally getting out of the trade, I prefer to be stopped out. Now, I prefer to be stopped out with gains. I don't like to be stopped out at my original stop loss. But ultimately, I want to be stopped out for a nice profit. Because when you're stopped out, that's telling you that there was a pullback That was so much so that said, hey, you know what? It's time to get out of the trade. And that's what I want out of my swing trading is to be stopped out. Because when you try to say, okay, this is the highest the stock's going to go, it's almost like a form of calling a top in a stock. And and I always tell people, like, don't short a rising market. Don't short the market because you think it can't go any higher because oftentimes it'll go higher than you ever imagined. Instead, wait for the breakdown to get short. And it's the same thing when you're in a stock. You're trying to call a top of how high you think it can go. And really, there's no human on earth that has that potential or capability because stocks will do far more than anything we could ever imagine. So I like to wait for that pullback. And for that pullback, not only just to pull back, but for it to cross some levels of support that I believe indicates the trade is no longer valid for me. And then I get out. Now, in his example, he talks about how you know a stock goes from 100 to 120, hits my price target at 120. How much of the profits do I want to come away with? I would say about 70 to 75% of those profits need to be captured. And so I'll be taking profits along the way, obviously. So I'm really talking about if it's my final third of a position or my final half of a position or my final quarter of a position, those profits I want to be walking away with 70 to 75% of the profits on that particular amount that I'm still trading. But Roscoe here, he also has the dilemma of sometimes only being able to trade one share at a time. Like if you're only allocating like $3,000 plus to each trade and you're trading Amazon, well, you can't like divvy it into thirds. I'm not sure if there's a platform out there that allows you to do that. I don't think so. I know there's platforms out there that let you buy partial shares. I just don't know if you can sell partial shares. That would be pretty interesting if you could. But I would, I would treat, honestly, I would treat the trade the same way in the sense that whether you're in it with a full position, a half position, or two-thirds of a position, or just one-third of a position, you're always raising the stop losses along the way in case that whatever amount you still have left in the trade goes south on you. 
So you want to trade that the same with just one share of a stock that you can't capture partial profits on. And then when you finally do get out of that one share, you need to be doing that with the idea that it hits your price target. You want to be walking away with like 70 to 75% of those profits that you were able to capture along the way. Otherwise, you probably let it slip a little bit too much. And I know for some of y'all, you, you, you trade very volatile stocks that have these massive swings of like 10 to 15%. I'm not a huge fan of those because, again, I don't think you can manage the risk on it appropriately. And also, I'd be remiss if I didn't tell you about swing trading in the stock market. This is my service that goes along with this podcast. It's $20 a month. It's really great. You're going to get all my market research that I do each and every day. Today, I was lighting up people's accounts with all sorts of different ideas and market updates, watch lists, daily setups all of that stuff. You're going to get that each and every day. You're going to get my daily setups. You're going to get the most intriguing charts of the day. Also, multiple times a week, I update my bullish and bearish master watch lists. And I give you weekly updates on all the FANG stocks, plus Microsoft, plus Tesla, and multiple updates on the S&P 500, NASDAQ 100, and the Russell 2000. So check that out, swingtradingthestockmarket.com. And to summarize what Roscoe has said here today, and he's spot on with his questions here. I think it's a really solid question, especially for some of the, uh, the the small position traders that aren't putting a lot of capital into their particular trades, and they may only be trading with one or two shares. You still manage the risk. You almost have to treat that one share like it's your final position because it really is. You're going to be going in and you're going to be going out, and it's not impossible. I did that early on because when I first started off trading, some of these commissions were like $20 to get in, $20 to get out. I'm not taking partial profits along the way. Heck, when I was starting out, I had to basically trade and make 2% on the trade before I would even break even. The good thing is, is that we got a commission-free trading environment now here in the United States, which makes it very affordable. And I know there's other countries that are following suit now. But if you're trading with one share, you keep sliding up that stop loss. You keep moving it right up. And you treat that one share that you're trading as if it was like with me or somebody else who's taking partial profits along the way, like it's like their final third or final half of a position that they're looking to close out at some point. The strategy doesn't change that much. The way you get out of a trade will be definitely different, but managing the risk should definitely be the same. One more comment I would say about price targets too. If there's like a solid resistance level that makes up my price target and I see the stock struggling mightily at that resistance level, maybe I see like a sharp break through that resistance level. And then by the day's end, there's a sharp pullback that brings it just below my price target. Oftentimes I'll go ahead and just close out the trade. That, that's, a, that's a sign to me that it really doesn't intend to break through the resistance level. I'll get out. That's going to do it for today. If you have any questions, feel free to send them to me, ryan at shareplanner.com. Make sure that you're leaving some reviews. If you're getting this far into the podcast, I hope it's been a pleasant experience for you and that you could leave a five-star review for me. Uh, that helps me out tremendously to grow the channel. It means the world to me and uh, really encourages me to keep putting these things out twice a week. Again, shoot me an email, ryan at shareplanner.com with your questions. Thank you guys and God bless. Thanks for listening to my podcast, Swing Trading the Stock Market. I'd like to encourage you to join me in the SharePlanner trading block where I navigate the stock market each day with traders from around the world. With your membership, you will get a seven-day trial and access to my trading room, including alerts via text, email, and WhatsApp. So go ahead, sign up by going to shareplanner.com slash trading block. That's www.shareplanner.com slash trading block. And follow me on SharePlanner's Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, where I provide unique market and trading information every day. If you have any questions, 
please feel free to email me at brian at shareplanner.com. All the best to you, and I look forward to trading with you soon. 